Welcome to Take It From The Top, a podcast brought to you by the Recruitment Innovation Exchange, also known as RICS. On Take It From The Top, we interview leaders within the recruitment industry to discuss various pressing topics within the sector. Thank you for joining another podcast from the Recruitment Innovation Exchange. Today, I'm excited to welcome Tomas Fahir from Trinkwalder. Thanks for joining us, Tomas. Hello, Leah. Well, I am excited, as we've talked in preparation for this, to really feature your expertise because we haven't had many experts yet that have covered the growth within Europe. And given that really is the focus of your role and your experience, we're excited to learn from you today. Can we start just for our audience to share a little bit about your background and what your role is at Trinkwalder? Sure. So first of all, I'm I'm Hungarian. I'm actually based in uh, Budapest, capital city of Hungary, uh, and uh, I've always worked f- from here, but uh, sometimes in an international scope. Mm-hmm. I uh, started to work for the recruitment industry in 2006. Uh, before that, I wasn't too far away. I was actually at the corporate side. I was doing HR. I was also responsible for a multi-country recruitment of a FMCG company. Uh, but since 2006, uh, I've been managing recruitment agencies. First, it was a purely white-color permanent uh, staffing agency in Hungary, uh, the local uh, market leader at that time, Grafton Recruitment. And uh, for the last seven years, uh, I've been working for the Trankwater Group. First five years, I spent... Uh, uh, in the role of the Hungarian country managing director. And since early 2017, I'm actually responsible for the total group's uh, permanent placement business line, as well as uh, its international mobility program. Uh, but Ed, through through this journey, uh, I'm, uh, I'm also the responsible person in the management uh, for recruitment processes and the digitization uh, of, of, of our recruitment processes. So definitely a pretty um, fast journey in terms of the things that you're focused on. And when you look at the digitization piece, we'll talk about that a little bit later. For Trankwalder, what's the context of the company? How big is the company? And then maybe share a little bit as we look to 2020, what are your growth plans and your strategic plans heading into the new year? Okay, so the company covers 17 countries, uh, mainly in Central and Eastern Europe, uh, meaning all the German-speaking countries, uh, also from Poland uh, on the north down to uh, Turkey, including Turkey. So uh, basically, it's a regional regional power, (laughs) I would put Mm -hmm. it this way. Uh, We we are really, uh, uh, we really believe that we're specialists uh, of this Central Eastern European region. And because the German companies dominate uh, these uh, economies, it's uh, actually a very good uh, combination uh, from the geographical point of view. We have roughly a thousand employees, uh, internal employees. And uh, because we're also doing, uh, among others, uh, temporary staffing, uh, we employ around 30,000 temp workers as well. Um, It's... uh, 
It's uh, an interesting history uh, that we have because Trankwader, the company, was named after our founder, uh, who unfortunately died uh, a few a few years ago. And uh, since uh, the new uh, investors came and started to 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 restructure the organization, uh, we we are facing some some new challenges. Let's put let's put it this way. Uh, basically, what we had before, and that's that's very important from from the digitization point of view, is that. I usually say that Tranquil, there used to be a loose alliance of very independent country organizations. And over the last uh, four or five years, uh, this has changed. Uh, we still have, I think, a lot of uh, independency uh, for our countries. However, uh, we started to harmonize our processes and we have started to drive uh, our main business lines uh, centrally. Uh, this was a necessity as well as a strategy uh, for the company because Tranquil there used to be known as the blue color temp agency. Mm. Okay, so every time we uh, we we used to go uh, to our potential clients, they said, "Okay, but why are we talking about uh, uh, yeah. risk manager role when when you're really good at uh, actually forklift finding forklift drivers?" So so this was the challenge: how to change the perception at the market, um, how to uh, design new uh, a new product mix, and uh, later on how to support it from the organizational point of view uh, with uh, KPIs and 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 uh, new motivation schemes, basically. So you've really been at the forefront of both experiencing that transformation and process transformation as the the MD and of leading Hungary, but then as you transition to that role of really aligning processes across the different countries and starting to think about digitization. What were some of the first things that you took on when you started looking beyond Hungary? Sure. So it's very important, at least in my eyes, uh, that uh, uh, or, or product mix, if I want to simplify it, it's temp, both blue color and white color. It's perm, both blue color and white color. And also outsourcing of uh, HR-related services, let's put it this way, but we also have uh, a contact center with 150 people and uh, other smaller projects uh, as well, but it's, it's, it's always labor-intensive uh, outsourcing. So first, uh, I, uh, I do believe that uh, each of these uh, areas need a different skill set and uh, need different uh, colleagues uh, from... from uh, you know, different psychometry profiles uh, in the roles and uh, we need to motivate them differently. Uh, in, in the past, uh, because we were focusing mainly on one product, uh, it was a one-stop shop. So one recruiter was doing the recruitment, was doing the administration, was doing the, the, the client mm -hmm. management and uh, we, we couldn't really continue that. But uh, in order to be effective, uh, we, we didn't just need to change the roles, the profiles, uh, but we had to come up with a clear individual motivation scheme. In other words, an individual performance scorecard. And mm -hmm. for a scorecard, as you know, Leah, we need data. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. so we had to analyze uh, our processes. Or we had to break them down. We had to quantify basically uh, every step and, and make every step measurable, and uh, and that's uh, that's why we were actually looking for a, a global ATS platform, 
uh, and at the end of this journey, we we found Conexis, and uh, of course, the, that's oh, that was also the start of the other journey that uh, yeah. I was just uh, <laughs> telling you about, uh, because first we had to provide a common structure uh, for our plans, and uh, then. Uh, for me, it was a very good learning experience because I had to travel around the 17 countries. Uh, I had to understand uh, the, the legal uh, structural differences. We have very different legal expectations in Austria, in Germany or in CE. Uh, also, the organizational designs of the certain countries. What does it mean that somebody is a recruiter? Because it means really mm-hmm. different things uh, in other countries. Uh, and, you know, uh, at first I was shocked how different it was. But se- uh, at, uh, when I was thinking about it, it's actually the same uh, if we designed uh, the steps uh, the right way. So the, the, the first step was to uh, design a recruitment workflow that actually makes sense for every product uh, and in every country. And uh, there's a buy-in from each uh, organization's mm-hmm. uh, which was more of a, an educational task for me, actually, to explain them that uh, whatever you called A before, now we just call it B, but it's the same. Mm-hmm. So uh, this, this, this is how it started. So you mentioned, and, um, yeah. just one follow-up question on that. The, it's often a challenge, especially when you were working independently before. It sounds like you changed some ownership structure to get people all moving in the same direction and get their buy-in when maybe you were changing some processes or some places and and taking some things away that they had before. Any tips in hindsight on how you gathered buy-in from those leaders and really had a successful change management effort around introducing new processes? Yeah, well, my philosophy is proof, not promises. Uh, so basically, yeah, um, <laughs> when, what, what, yeah, I know, uh, well, this, this is from my past as, as well. Uh, and, and, and anyway, uh, basically, um, I'm not telling, uh, the, the, first of all, I like to talk to the people on the ground, the, on the shop floor, those who do, who, who do the daily work. So in other words, in a recruitment agency, this is the recruiters and mm-hmm. also the, maybe the team leaders because, uh, you know, country managers, of course, I need to get their buy-in as well, uh, but they are more focused outside of the organization than on the daily work. And now we're talking about motivating the, the, the total workforce. Uh, so so I managed to, to talk to them directly. So I was always... Uh, aiming at having uh, team meetings uh, with, with the country recruiters. Uh, and secondly, I myself demonstrated or I took very talented colleagues from my Hungarian organization to demonstrate how we do things there. Uh, and when when I just show them that uh, in, in, in their processes, when, when they used uh, Excel sheets, emails uh, and... Uh, for them, very, very comfortable, but, but for me, not really uh, uh, effective processes. Uh, then I show them what they can do uh, with the recruitment platform. Uh, then I immediately uh, basically trigger this aha effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's easy because they have questions, hundreds of questions. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
technically the country managers have no other choice than to support uh, these changes. Mm-hmm. Of course, it has to be very diplomatic, uh, and uh, of course, uh, you, you, we, I always need to start with the case. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I was lucky in a way that I proved the cases first with the Hungarian organization mm-hmm. that has uh, become one of the top three. Uh, permanent placement providers in Hungary within uh, my two years of uh, management, uh, starting from 15th position, uh, which which was a good start and a good proof yeah. that what I'm saying maybe has uh, something behind. And yeah. then I'm always demonstrating. So we're just demoing, 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 mm-hmm. and uh, demoing in a way that, uh, okay, what is your uh, biggest pain right now? Okay, I'm looking for a Dutch-speaking uh, engineer for this uh, position in Hungary. Dutch is a very rare language uh, spoken mm-hmm. in Hungary, for example, or in other countries. And then I sit down and we uh, we start uh, to search. And when they see how we do things and when they see what, what uh, are the functionalities and how we use them, they always stop us and, okay, show it to me again. So it's uh, very time-consuming, I know, uh, but... Uh, at the same time, it creates word of mouth. So if I'm just talking to two, three recruiters, uh, it happened many times, then in a, in a week or in a few weeks' time, there was a request that I would come again. Mm-hmm. And we would focus on one or the other uh, functionalities that uh, we're presenting. And, and this way, actually, it's not just the functionalities, but the processes make sense uh, for them. So you... You went through the journey of getting the buy-in both on the ground and the leaders involved and then really started building out processes in the system to get the data and take a data and really proof-driven approach. Can you share with our audience of when you think about that data-driven approach, what, what does that mean to you? What is your vision of where you're looking to get to so where do I want to get at the end of this journey? Yeah. That's, that's the question. No, or just the, the how did you, what changed from, from what you were doing? And then now when you think about being data-driven, how are you working towards that and building towards that? Okay. So first of all, it's very important uh, that uh, also my boss likes to say that there's no more storytelling. So when we're talking about results or non-performance or good yeah. performance, doesn't matter. Uh, we many times heard stories. So we didn't succeed because, and usually it's the environment, it's usually the competition or the economy or the global yeah. warming or whatever. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, there was again no proof in our hand uh, because our, our data previously was concentrating on larger units like uh, regions uh, of, of, of the countries. Therefore, we couldn't really find the root cause of any trouble. And now that uh, we, we are right in the middle of this uh, data mindset or data culture, uh, it's very easy to show uh, outstanding performances. So, mm-hmm. or, or my, my favorite example is our Czech uh, country team because uh, we had a fantastic relationship with them over the two years and they technically doubled their turnover within uh, these two years. Uh, and uh, they, they were just so into this and they were just so happy that they could see 
one by one individually their results. Mm -hmm. So how many interviews, what's my conversion ratio, what's my success rate. At the end of the day, uh, it, well, it wouldn't be enough just to see it because, of course, it gives you some pleasure to see that uh, your performance is better uh, than the target or better than the group. But at the, at the same time, we linked uh, the, the bonus structure to these uh, figures. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I told them that, guys, uh, well, whatever is in the system, that's what's going to be the base of your commission. And, uh, well, it helps. Uh, it <laughs> yeah. helps the data quality. <laughs> a lot more attention. A lot more attention paid after that. Sure, absolutely. And, you know, after I, I, uh, that's my experience, not, not just from the last two years, but uh, let's say from the last 10 years, that the first six months, first three months is usually uh, rejecting uh, the change so we want to do things as we did it uh, before that's why mm -hmm. they would double bookkeeping you know everything mm -hmm. they did mm -hmm. uh, of course that's very time consuming and uh, it's uh, it's really hard to to maintain the data in two two, two places uh, the second uh, quarter is is really about uh, trying to learn how to do it much better and 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 accepting this change and after the the first uh, six months uh, recruiters who who actually took the effort to uh, to embrace this change, uh, they realized that everything is much faster, is much more transparent, mm -hmm. and I'm proud that I'm performing well, and I don't have to come up with stories. The the figures speak for me, so mm -hmm. that's uh, that that I think would be the most important step uh, step towards uh, uh, a culture of, of performance and continuous performance improvement. Uh, when when we're not talking about uh, dreams that themes that we cry together, we laugh together. Uh, of course, we can keep that. I think it's a task of the manager, but we have to be sure that the individuals are aware that their work is uh, okay or what much better than okay, or they need some improvement. So you talk about the benchmarks and the things that are help driving their knowledge of their individual performance. There's always a healthy debate around kind of how many KPIs is too many, how, are, how, many, how often are you tracking them? Can you share your view on maybe what are the top five KPIs or the top metrics that you like to track? And if those have changed over time, Sure. Uh, we have uh, a, set of, a set of KPIs and I wanted to keep it very simple at the beginning. And of course, we have some projects where we, we work on more detailed ones. But technically, uh, we're tracking the, uh, the, the sales side as well. So uh, from the uh, activities that, that, that our business developers are doing, uh, that, that's where everything starts. Um, so basically, how many visits, how many meetings, and these these classic mm -hmm. ones. But uh, it's not not this is not the important thing what we measure, but that uh, the, the ratio was at the end, so that it works mm -hmm. from top down and down up. Uh, that how how many of these we need and what is the conversion that we need to focus on. Uh, the second uh, one is the workflow, but that's for the recruiters. Okay. Uh, so workflow meaning all the steps that we do through the. Um, recruitment process uh, from uh, application through pre-screening and interviews to hiring and placements. Uh, 
And uh, the, the other important, which, which is uh, more or less used by both sales organization and recruitment organization, is the open jobs. So it's mm-hmm. very important that we have a clear view on how many open jobs one recruiter can manage. And it always depends on the, the, the type of uh, uh, recruitment projects that he or she does. Is it temp? Is it perm? Is it white color? Is it IT? Is it whatever? Uh, and, and that has to be managed. So in this case, we have a triangle uh, where we need to keep the balance. So if there's not enough jobs, then sales needs to do more activities. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if, if there's enough jobs, we have to concentrate on the field ratios. And mm-hmm. uh, the good thing is that uh, we technically, uh, uh, this, this is transparent for both functions. And this used to be, uh, and I think in many organizations, this is the case that uh, sales is saying that recruitment is not filling, not delivering, and recruitment is saying yes because you're not bringing us the right mm-hmm. kind of jobs. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's the thing. But here it's transparent, and uh, we established uh, communication uh, platforms basically between the two. Uh, units uh, where they can share and they can track this development and they have clear views on yeah we're actually feeling it quite well so keep bringing it or yeah you see because the the um, the salary levels are are not uh, at the at the level where it attracts candidates and so on and so on so there's continuous communication and now we have data uh, moreover, sales enjoys uh, this data-driven culture the most because, uh, you know, clients usually have, cr- well, at first, impossible. Uh, it, it looks impossible uh, mm-hmm. when they ask questions like, okay, I have a very specific role, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, this very specific operator in this very specific industry in 50 kilometers region, what's the standard salary level? Okay, nobody can tell you that immediately. But it looks like in some countries we already have uh, accurate information in the system and uh, they can just uh, open their mobile gadgets and show them that, well, look, I found 40 people in this region and uh, this is the salary range. Or we can come up with some very nice one-pagers in a day. And this, this is something that sales likes very much because our response times are, uh, are much faster and we can provide very, uh, very interesting data. It's really exciting to hear the full journey that you've taken from not only changing the mindsets and understanding the motivations of the teams to implementing process and system and now taking that data to help them sell and more proactively get in front of prospects and clients. What do you think is next as part of your digital transformation journey? Well, we're in the middle. So what what mm-hmm. I just told you is probably too true for four or five countries out of the seventeen. <laughs> so two thousand twenty will be about uh, yeah. rolling it out. Uh, it started, but it's not there yet. But two thousand twenty will be rolling it out to the other countries, and uh, most importantly, uh, we managed to get the buy-in of our board. Uh, so now they are very excited to see uh, all countries on, on the reports and uh, that they uh, they are eager to hear that, hey, 
Mr. CEO, now you can trust the data. This is 100% accurate and it's actually real time. So you can take a look at it anytime. So that would be the next step, which is very operational. There's not too much uh, innovation in it. Uh, but uh, as, I, as, I, as I told you before, mentioned quickly, we're working on some, some pilot uh, things in the background. Uh, basically, with a few teams, uh, a few selected teams, we are testing uh, how to how to actually be able to create nice uh, reports on, mm. uh, on, on on provided targets, so that mm -hmm. so that it's it's kind of a thermometer, you know, that the, the person who, uh, who who runs a process should see where am I at the moment, mm -hmm. so that it's more real time. Right now, we are checking the KPIs uh, monthly or quarterly mm -hmm. level. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the the next uh, next big step would be the absolutely real time data. Nice. Well, it's very. Hopefully, we can have you back when you have now across seventeen <laughs> countries doing salary reports and proactively, you know, doubling the business. But we appreciate you taking the time to share your expertise and know that there's mm -hmm. a lot of people that listen to this and are in the industry that are far behind you. And I'm sure we'll learn a lot from, from what you've shared. I wrote down myself proof, not promises. So I'm going to have that mantra top of mind as well, but thank you, Tomas. I appreciate you joining us. Thank you very much for inviting me.